0: Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Have you ever wondered what God's point was when He made us? His desire, believe it or not, is to be close to us, but there are a few things that will always get in the way of that. Idolatry, ignorance, immorality, ouch. We've all gone astray, but the Lord's Prayer speaks clearly about God and His desired connection with us. Tonight, Dr. Corbett is in Jeremiah chapter 42 to explore Going Astray.
1: Holy God, it is our heart to make your heart known to people. Father, it is our heart to love those who feel that they are so broken beyond repair. It is our heart to love those who are religious. It is our heart to love those who are irreligious. To love those who have done things with people that they are ashamed of. And it is our heart to love people so that they might come to know your love. And we pray, Lord, that as we look at your word now, you would better equip us to do just that. That we can share the love of God with people, no matter what they've done, who they've done it with, where they've done it, or how many times they've done it, so that they too might come to know Jesus Christ as the forgiver of their sin. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing to look at the book and the prophet Jeremiah, It's part 138, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, the prophet who felt deeply for people. This is going astray and it's grounded in Jeremiah chapter 42 and we'll have a look at some of the aspects in this as we go. Let me give you a little bit of background, Jeremiah, the man, his mission, his book, where we see as a young child, a very young child, pre-teens, God had come to him and called him to be a prophet someone who would speak his word and so now we're seeing the the call on his life being activated so as a very young man as a teenager he was called to speak God's word to people would have taken a lot of courage it was at a time in Israel's history around about 600 BC when certain things had happened And it had led to the the spiritual condition of the nation of Israel plummeting. Jeremiah has been prophesying that Jerusalem would be overrun and destroyed by the Babylonians. He was mocked, he was ridiculed, and finally he was imprisoned for, for this message. While in prison, the Babylonians finally broke through and they did overrun the city. They did destroy the city. And this is one of the first things that Jeremiah tried to get across to people is that God wants intimacy with his people. He wants his people to talk to them. I loved what Holly had to say before that before she became a Christian, she was trying to figure out how to solve all her problems by herself or expecting others to solve them for her. She became a Christian and she realized she could come to God with her problems and give her problems to him that's how you develop intimacy with God by having that kind of relationship where you pour out your heart to him and let him know what you're going through and what's on your heart that's how relationships work and Jeremiah had been pleading with the people to come into that kind of relationship with God and God was offering that the kind of relationship that God offers is one where people approach him not just In a cavalier way. Not just in a way where we burst into his throne room. But one where we come with a heart of worship. Because he wants us to do what he does. And what he does is he glorifies the most supreme being in the universe. And that's himself. And that's not being self-centered. Because God is a part of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Part of an eternal community. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus has always been to give glory to his Father. The Father has always been to give glory to his Son. And the Holy Spirit seeks to glorify Jesus, who seeks to glorify the Father. And when we approach him, we approach him doing exactly the same thing with a heart that says, we worship you. We surrender to you, which is what worship means. It means we surrender. Jesus is surrendered to his Father. The Spirit is surrendered to Jesus. And the Father voluntarily surrenders to both his Son and his Spirit. It's a beautiful picture of intimacy. This kind of relationship that Jeremiah was talking about, that he pleaded with people to come into, can, can only be, he says, by this thing called covenant. A covenant is an agreement... An agreement whereby you mutually surrender to someone. So the covenant that I mentioned before, we've talked about two this morning. One is marriage, the other is baptism. And it's a mutual surrender. You see, when people go through the waters of baptism, what's essentially happening is they're saying, Jesus, I surrender to you. But you notice, he gave his life first. He has laid down his life for us. And now we lay down our life for him as we go through the waters of baptism. So intimacy involves forming a covenant. In fact, God does not want anyone to come to him and say, I'm just going to explore my options. I'll give you a few minutes. Go, impress me. That, God will not tolerate that. <laughs> the kind of relationship that God can only enter into with someone is one of covenant, where they surrender to him. The person who says, I'll believe in God, if he turns up right now and stands in front of me, is putting themselves in the position of God over God. That's a very dangerous thing to do. Because God says, form a covenant with me. Come to me, surrender, lay down your life, and it's a covenant. So it's worship, but it's also by forming a covenant. What, is it, what, what else is involved in this covenant? It's not just surrender. It's also these aspects as well. It has to be exclusive. It's not like you can come to God and say, God, I'm going to make you one of my gods. I've got a few others on the side that I refer to, and you can be one of them too. The kind of covenant that the creator of the universe, the one true and living God, will only accept from his people is one where it's exclusive. It's only him. Curiously, coincidentally, my wife has a similar outlook on our covenant as well. It has to be exclusive. In fact, that is the nature of intimate covenant relationship. If you want to know God, this is what your heart has to be prepared to accept. It also has to be faithful. If you come to God and say, I will make you the God of my life. You will be the one to whom I surrender exclusively. Then you have to be faithful to that as well. And think about this. God is faithful to his people. Anyone forms a covenant with him. He's faithful. He will be faithful. It has to be loving. We live in a world where love is distorted. And oh my goodness we hear this word love used so cheaply i mean some people even have it on their email signatures with lots of love or i love you Signed, da 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 and it could be writing to the tax office was like give me a break there is no way you possibly love the treasurer of australia unless you're his wife exceptions but love is you taking every possible step in your power to serve someone else for their highest good. That's love. Young men, listen to me. There are thousands of women in our city who aren't married, who are looking for a man who knows how to love them. And there's an ache in the human heart that reflects That we are created in the image of a God who wants a relationship that must be exclusive, faithful, and loving. And that's that next word, selfless. Selfless. It's not about what you get out of it. If I was to tell you the difference between a Christian relationship and a relationship that hasn't got Christians in it, this word would have to come up. You see, two people who form a relationship do so often for what they can get out of it, for what's in it for them. When Christians form a relationship, because we understand the ultimate relationship, a relationship with God, we know that that we form a relationship so that God is glorified in that relationship. My role as husband, for Kim, is not so much so that I can... Get something out of it. It's not even to make her happy. My role is to help her glorify God. Johnny, your role as husband of Sonia is to help her know God better. Jeanette, your role as wife of Tony is to help him know God better. It is. This is our role to help the one we say we love to have their highest good, and that is to know God and to know Him better. And God wants us to come into a relationship where His highest goal is for us to know Him better. And so when you're forming a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, keep that in mind. Your role is not for what you can get out of the relationship. It's to help the other person to know God better, to love God better, and to glorify Him most. And the, the final aspect of a covenant relationship, lifelong. But I've put the word forever in brackets. And that, the reason I've done that is because unlike all other relationships you will ever experience, a relationship with God is forever. Even after this life, death cannot separate us from God. So it's forever. It goes beyond the grave. But the prophet Jeremiah said there was three things that will hinder any person from enjoying that kind of ultimate satisfaction. And by the way... The ultimate satisfaction that the Rolling Stones couldn't find is knowing God. You're created to know God and you'll have a deep hunger in your heart and a restlessness, Augustine said, until you rest in him, until you come to know him. You'll find that he's the one, he's the source, he's your answer, he's your hope and he's your lover. He's your father and we'll see this in a moment. But Jeremiah said there's three things that will prevent someone and undermine someone from really knowing God. And the first one he says, and it's all through his book, is idolatry. And we saw in that clip there where Jeremiah's walking around the city of Jerusalem and he sees someone selling idols. It breaks his heart. Why? Because Jeremiah, as a young 11, 12-year-old boy... Formed a covenant with God where he surrendered his life to God. He entered into an exclusive relationship with God, a lifelong relationship with God, a relationship of love, a relationship of faithfulness. And when he saw someone selling idols, it broke his heart. And we saw him in that clip take those idols and smash them. Idolatry. You know, you don't have to have an idol made of clay or wood or steel or stone or anything that's man made. Your idol is anything that you have those qualities, those qualities of a relationship with, more than you have with God. So for some people, it's sport. For some people, it's their home, their job. For some people, it's the relationship they're in. They might worship their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their husband or their wife or their children. And that can become an idol. And it will hinder you from really knowing God and therefore finding ultimate happiness and ultimate satisfaction. The second one is ignorance. You see, the opening of that clip was where Jeremiah walked past a so-called prophet who was saying, we're safe, we're secure, no harm will ever come to us because we have the temple of the Lord. That was just the height of ignorance. That person didn't know God. That person thought God was interested in religion But God's not interested in your religious duty. He's not interested in you being religious. And I hope, whether you continue to come to this church or not, not really the deal. The deal is you getting to know God. And it's not a matter of you becoming more religious. It's a matter of you deepening your relationship with God. That's the point. And Jeremiah's third point of what will prevent anyone from knowing God is if they are immoral. You see... Immorality, if you take those qualities of a covenant, exclusive, faithful, loving, selfless, lifelong, it's the highest commitment. It's the highest commitment that someone can make to another person. And there there is so much kerfuffle today about sexuality and so on, if we understand this, who God is, and that we're created in his image for his pleasure, we understand that the ultimate relationship anyone can have is with him. And every other relationship is a reflection of the relationship we should have with him. Exclusive, faithful, selfless, loving, and forever. Immorality cannot fulfill that picture. That picture where, you know, we happened to see an ad come on something the other, it was so disturbing where some guy was boasting that he'd slept with 80-something women as if he was the real man's man in the stud. I think the guy's a jerk. He's a dope. It takes a real man to be exclusive, loving, faithful, selfless, committed for life to another person. That's a real man. That's a real woman. That's a real man. Immorality doesn't fit that picture. And I know that there are many who will hear me say that and they'll go, oh, that's all right for you. Can I tell you, I've got some really good news. Jesus Christ wants to forgive. He wants to cleanse. He wants to give you a new life and a new start. And Jeremiah spoke of that day. Jeremiah said there will come a day when the Messiah will come and he will take people's hearts out, hearts of stone, and he'll give them a new heart. Ezekiel said the same thing who lived around the same time as Jeremiah. You see, the people had got into idolatry and ignorance. They didn't know what God's word said and immorality, sexual immorality because they didn't really know God. God had long been forgotten, despite the fact that Jerusalem is one and is still one of the most religious cities on the planet. They had forgotten God. Not only had God been forgotten, God had been misrepresented by the priests, the religious leaders. They taught the people that God was really all about you being religious. We have a temple, we have religious rituals and ceremonies, and. That's what really God's interested in. That is misrepresenting God. That's not what he's interested in at all. And then we see that God had been distorted by the leaders, the kings, the princes, the royal family, the ones charged with this beautiful word, it's the word shepherd, to guide, guard and feed people. And they'd failed. And that's the role of every husband too, by the way. Guard, guide, provide... For people, for your wife. And so God had been distorted. And so the result was when you don't have a clear picture of God and leaders who should give you that clear picture, don't, it's inevitable. You'll go astray. The prophet Isaiah, some 150 years earlier, in talking about the coming Messiah, he said this, We like sheep have all gone astray and the same is true today without a clear picture of who god is you can only go astray you can and i'm not here to beat you up i'm not here to condemn you i'm here to offer you hope i'm here to give you a way out and jeremiah tried but he couldn't do it eventually the people even in this passage we see they ignored him And they went the other way. So where Jeremiah had not been able to present God well enough to people, Jesus Christ succeeded. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus is the exact likeness of God. When he walked the earth, Jesus said to his closest disciples after three and a bit years with them, he said this, profound, John 14, he said this, If you've seen me, Thomas you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen who God is. I'm God and I represent my Father exactly. He's the exact representation of God. And so Jesus presented the clearest, the most attractive and the most majestic presentation of God to people. And I want to finish with this thought because Jesus presented It was Rudyard Kipling who, who said, I have six friends, who, what, why, where, how, and when. And Jesus presented the who, what, why, how, and when of God in the Lord's Prayer. And you'll see in the opening section, you probably remember the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, right there, that was radical, that was revolutionary. God could be a father and not like the fathers that some of us have had or some of you may have experienced an abusive neglectful father but a loving interested caring father and Jesus described his father as father our father he gave a number of stories to illustrate that the prodigal son and and other pictures that give this picture of God and it reveals the heart of God God has a father's heart toward you your name hallowed be your name you see a name in that culture represents who you are we we refer to someone and say well they've got a really good name around town what john that's clearly not what we're talking about is it we mean reputation hallowed i mean as if john's a good name right johnny Uh, hallowed be your name it's Jesus is saying, everything about God's character and his reputation is good. And my father can only do good. And if you get to know him, you'll get to know him as a good God. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom reveals something about God. It reveals God's means. It also reveals the how. You see, if you want to come to know God, you've got to come into what Jesus symbolically called his kingdom. It means You submit to him as king. He becomes your king. You enter into his kingdom. Your will be done reveals God's purpose and that is that God's will is done. You see, right now there are many things that happen in life that are not God's will. Things happen and God does not approve. God does not approve. I've heard people say, well if god wanted me to feel different he would make me feel different no you could be feeling something that is completely not the will of god ever felt the urge to hit someone slap someone let me just talk to the women for a moment ever felt the urge to call someone's eyes out that's probably a dangerous place to go right now i just back out of there and just go back to here in other words every urge we have is not necessarily the will of god But when you know the will of God, it reveals something of God's purpose. And the will of God is that we do what he wants. The will of God. Jesus also uses this beautiful expression. In in the Lord's Prayer, he says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he links earth and heaven. You see, some people have this, this concept that God may be in heaven and he's a long way off and he's disconnected from anything that's happening here on earth and the truth is that is not true earth and heaven are intimately linked god created both the opening verse of the entire bible links heaven and earth in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth he's intimately linked and involved with both heaven and earth it it answers two questions about god when what when do you get to you after you leave this earth you have if you know God if you're in covenant with God you can spend eternity in heaven and heaven will be the most productive place in the universe. There are some people have the picture that heaven is just one great big long vacation holiday camp where we get a harp a cloud and a million years and just make the best of it. That is not heaven. Heaven is ultimate satisfaction. You will be put to work in heaven and you will draw infinite limitless satisfaction from the work you do in heaven you will be able to learn you'll be able to grow in heaven and you will draw tremendous satisfaction of it it reveals the where of god god rules from heaven it also reveals the when when you leave this earth if you're in covenant with him you will come to spend eternity with god in heaven jesus also taught us to pray give us this day our daily bread the give us bit reveals that god is provider It's a beautiful picture of God. And forgive us reveals that God is Savior. No matter what you've done, no matter who you've done it to, no matter how many times you've done it, no matter how often you have failed, this part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us to pray reveals that God wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. That forgiveness is not automatic but it's offered, it's made available. Lead us, not into temptation, reveals that when you enter into a covenant with God, Jesus said, he will guide you, he will be your guide. Deliver us from evil, from the evil one, reveals that God wants to keep you from harm and his word applied to your life will keep you from harm. God's word applied to your life is not meant to stifle you, It's not meant to keep you from good and pleasure and happiness and fun. It's meant to keep you from harm and those things that will hurt you. God will deliver you. And here, here's where I want to finish. We've all gone astray. All of us. All of us. It's what Jeremiah had to say to his people, his countrymen. It's what Jesus had to say. It's why Jesus came and Jesus described himself as a shepherd who went out looking for lost sheep. Are you a lost sheep? Are you someone who has lost their way? Have you gone astray? And here's my question to you. Based on what Jesus has revealed about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us. As we forgive those who've sinned against us. Lead us not in the temptation, but deliver us from evil. What's he doing there? He's not just teaching you to pray. He's teaching you something about God. Who God is. And you should get it. You should get that what Jesus had to say about God. Is that he longs for you to pour your heart out to him. And to come to know him. So here's my question. Will you come closer to the God? who loves you limitlessly. Jeremiah failed to persuade the people that that's what they should do. But today we've seen in two cases where Jesus hadn't failed. Will you come closer? Christian, you may have been following Christ for decades now. Will you say, you know, I have stagnated in my relationship with God. Now I want to come closer to know him. Perhaps you feel a million miles from God right now. Can I tell you, you aren't. You're one step. And it's not even a step, it's a prayer. It's a prayer that says, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life and help me to live for you. I pray. Let's pray. Father, that prayer is the prayer I now offer on our behalf. For those of us who know you, perhaps we've grown slack, perhaps we've let our greatest relationship, that is our relationship with you, slide. And I pray, Lord, that you would deal with the idols in hearts, the ignorance of people's minds, and that, Lord, you would deal with the temptation to stray and wander, and that right now you just cleanse, you would forgive. Father, for those who have been physically hurt, sexually abused, mentally and emotionally abused, I pray that today you would cleanse, you would heal, you would save. If you know you don't know Christ, you don't know God as your heavenly Father, can I encourage you to pray? God, please forgive me. Come into my life and help me to live for you. You pray a prayer like that, not only can your eternity be altered but your tomorrow and your today can as well. So, Father, I pray for us that we would represent you well and that we would make you known and that people would see that you are limitlessly attractive and infinitely good. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you.
0: We've all gone astray. The question is, are we prepared to come closer to the God who loves us limitlessly? Perhaps our father is the place to start. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Going Astray, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania, 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Matters.